Is there a desire in you to not just attend revival, but live in revival? Welcome to the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Saldivar. I've been in revival for the last 10 years, as well as traveling and being a part of many revivals throughout the United States. I'm going to be sharing with you how to live a radical lifestyle of revival on a daily basis. But we have the Demon Slayers on here, okay? This is our group name here, our group chat that are all on tonight. I'm going to have all of them introduced. First of all, before you guys introduce yourselves, I just want to say... I love you guys. I honor you guys. What I really appreciate about every single one of you is your passion for God, the purity you guys have, the heart you have for God, the honor that you guys show each other. And there's no striving. There's no a competition. There's no jealousy, envy. Like guys, legitimately, we have a group text. Now, please, all of our pastor friends, don't get all jealous and try to buy your way on there. Um, God has just built an alliance here and God has just done something in this group. And we text almost, actually we text every day. I was gonna say almost every day, but we all text every single day. We're sharing wisdom revelation with each other experiences with each other honoring each other helping each other on social media and so there's just never any with four guys that all run their own ministries their own churches it's just an incredible thing and i think one of the things that god is doing in our relationship is god is showing other ministers that you can have godly relationships with other pastors and leaders and not fight and not argue and not bicker and not you know compete there's no competition so i just want to say I love you guys. I appreciate you guys. I honor you guys. And I know in the honoring each other, in the walking side by side, there's deliverance power. There's breakthrough power. There's one thing Satan absolutely hates, if you guys are taking notes, is unity. He absolutely hates. He's going to do whatever he can to try to break this group up. But in Jesus' name, the devil has been defeated. He is under our feet and there is power when we come together. So there's a special anointing when we all get on here every month and we pray for you guys and we teach you guys and we tag team this. There's a special anointing. So I would love to have um, we'll start with the pa- Apostle Alexander Pagani and then we'll go to Pastor Mike and then Pastor Vlad. If you guys want to intro yourself, tell us about your church. What have you guys been doing? Um, tell us about your page, your channels, all that, and then we'll just roll with it. Hey, God bless. This is Alexander Pagani, lead pastor of Amazing Church located here in the South Bronx, New York City. We are absolutely excited about being here once again. Love um our conglomerate that we got going here, uh, Demon Slayers. You already know. Um, we are probably in our 17th week of revival here at amazing church in new york city deliverance is breaking out all over the church all over new york city tri-state area people are flying in pastors and leaders believe it or not today i was just talking with the pastor last minute uh wanted to fly in um revival is truly breaking out in new york city and the great thing about it is that i am not alone we are not the only ones in the new york city area doing deliverance my good friend pastor mike i passed the mic to you because he is also doing a great thing out there in queens and long island brooklyn area come on apostle thanks so much for the That's rev a good intro right there That's a good <laughs> intro. holding it down on the east coast we've got all the devils running you know what i love about apostle pagani is that he's raising up teams of people that are doing the work. He's not doing it alone. We're raising up some V1 church teams. I'm actually the lead pastor of V1 church. We're a multi-site church here. We're actually launching our very first national campus outside of Chicago in Northwest Indiana, where at the end of this month, the last Sunday, we're actually doing a mass deliverance. So we're experiencing the same thing. We have nine states, 11 states worth of people represented almost every week. In our, and people are driving out, flying out, they're hungry, and it's just insane to see what God's doing in this time. So, um, Isaiah, we're thankful for you as well. This this group is incredible, and uh, we've got demons running in every direction, north, south, east, and west. I love it. I love it. Wow. Thank you, guys. I am uh, Vlad Savchuk from Tri-Cities, Washington. I pastor Hungry Generation. 
and uh, we I'm really really happy to be in the company of other uh, giant killers, demon slayers, and people who Come are shaking the kingdom of darkness with the ministry of deliverance. And uh, I've known these men now through the text message. Some of them I'm excited to meet uh, Pastor Mike and Apostle Alexander uh, later this year personally. But I have been enriched through these men, through Isaiah, and through not just deliverance, but even social media, media, how to do things in church. And they've really uh, given a lot of uh, blessing. We've really just been a source of encouragement. And I love the fact, Isaiah, you mentioned, you know, I have even some pastors and, and some prophets, friends of mine, who watch this from outside and they're like this is so this is so interesting because there is no competition it seems like you guys are encouraging each other it seems like you guys are promoting each other usually people yeah. compete and so uh, i'm just grateful for that we've been doing deliverance for for a while now and um we do um, uh, we have a specific deliverance service once a month on the last sunday of the month and then I've been so encouraged to see the deliverance that Isaiah, you've been doing online on Zoom. And so we've been kind of, that's been cooking in our heart. And so we're going to do our first one this Saturday. Come on. Uh, I call it digital deliverance. Digital on. deliverance on Saturday. So I'm really Go. excited for that. I believe the Holy Spirit is going to take over the internet for His glory. So good. And I wanted to say, guys, I think we all could agree on this. There is a deliverance revival that is happening. Yeah. Now, we all we always say together, you know, it's not deliverance ministry. It's a ministry of Jesus. I totally get this. But the wording helps when we say deliverance. There's a real move of God happening. I've never seen before. In ten, I've only been in this for 10 years. Some of you guys have been, you know, preaching a lot longer than me but there's something happening right now in the body of christ and this is what i'm feeling like we're at a place in the body of christ where enough is enough where people are so tired of living in bondage going from sunday to sunday living in the same bondage and being okay with being in bondage being okay with being addicted being being okay with being demonized and right now god is taking the limits off of what he's doing he's breaking people out he's delivering his church he's training up churches and it's happening all over and this special thing is you guys are all senior pastors you all senior pastor church you know again all the positions are important but you guys are all senior not associates you're senior pastors and leaders of churches and this is something happening right now all over america i thank god that all of us individually are voices in the world i was going to say america but in the world for deliverance but i think we have a responsibility as ministers as men of god as leaders as pastors to preach on freedom if we're preaching the gospel the gospel of the kingdom again jesus did not preach on deliverance he did not preach on healing he did not preach on salvation he preached the gospel of the kingdom and in the message of the kingdom is deliverance is yes. healing is salvation so i really believe i know there's a lot of pastors watching why don't you guys maybe share what are some of the things that whether it's hindrances or whether things you guys see block deliverance from happening in churches and then maybe too like i want to challenge pastors tonight that are watching i know there's many of them on right now we have about four thousand people watching praise the lord but i know there's many pastors and leaders that are like i want deliverance i want revival i would challenge some of you like you got to get to a place where you just don't care about what people think where freedom is more important than religious opinion than religious tradition i know that there is a war going on as we're going forth in deliverance as we're advancing the kingdom of god violently the enemy is fighting against what god is doing he absolutely hates the ministry of deliverance so maybe you guys want to jump in here and just what are some of the things as senior pastors that you guys are seeing or challenges you've gone through or things you've had to deal with um with deliverance happening in your churches uh, one 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 of the major hurdles that i didn't know existed at least now I can identify it is what I call groupthink. 
Sometimes mm. the pastor uh, uh, gets caught up with the general consensus of the corporate thinking of the house. So sometimes we, afraid, we are afraid, or at least at the time I was afraid to kind of step outside of the box because there's just like this collective thought, uh, a mm -hmm. cultural thought that permeates within the church, the group, mm -hmm. think, group think tank, which means everyone is thinking the same way. So once you begin to start thinking outside the box, everything else, you know, everything begins to go wrong. So I think one big area that I think pastors need to begin to identify is, am I enslaved to groupthink in the house? Mm -hmm. Or am I trapped into the corporate thinking mindset, uh, worldview of the collective thought of everyone together as a group? Um, and that's a huge hurdle to overcome because literally it stemmed in the fear of man. Mm -hmm. It's literally the fear of man. So the fear mm -hmm. of man, um, Connected with groupthink. Um, let me give you an example of this. The blind man's parents rejected their son's deliverance and healing because it says they were afraid of being kicked out of the synagogue. Mm -hmm. And then the next verse says, because the Pharisees had already said that anyone that embraced Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. So we see that the natural affection, let me tell you, groupthink is so powerful that it's able to even disconnect the natural order of things. And you mm -hmm. find that these loving parents of this blind man that was healed wow. actually said, well, we don't know how he got healed, mm -hmm. uh, but we know that he's our son. That's about, that's about it. The, the next verse says in the parentheses, it says, they said this for fear of being put out of the synagogue. So I would say group think, overcoming the group collective thought, group think of the house. That'd be a good place, first place to start. Man, Apostle came out swinging tonight. <laughs> Any of you guys want to add on to that? Here's the thing. I'm going to give everyone, like, these are the four barriers to deliverance that I encounter the most. Number one is pride. Come on. Straight up pride. Mm -hmm. That's number one. A matter of fact, there's a video on my YouTube channel where one of our worship leaders who was resistant to deliverance because of his own pride started manifesting last Come Sunday. And, and his deliverance happened on the global live stream of our Sunday service in front yes. of all of our people. And he, he sent me a voice memo today. He's like, isn't it just like God? Come on. <laughs> to target my pride. So I've got that video on my YouTube channel where you can check out our worship leader receiving deliverance Come live on. in our broadcast. So number one is pride. Number two is tradition. Tradition is peer mm. pressure from dead people. Wow. Jesus is not dead. Jesus is alive. I've been saying this every time. I want to follow a living God. Okay. Not, not receive the tradition, which is peer pressure from dead people. So, uh, tradition is the biggest barrier. You know, our denomination always did it like this. We, whatever. Mm -hmm. Number three is ignorance, which just means they don't know what they don't know. Mm -hmm. The Bible says, how do they know unless a teacher is sent? Mm -hmm. Okay. So guess what? Every time you hit share on one of our broadcasts, you are sending a teacher into the marketplace of Facebook, oh, YouTube, good. or wherever else you've got to send this. People are just ignorant. They don't know. I can't tell you how many times um, someone heard just one part of a broadcast, their life was changed forever. So it's pride, tradition, ignorance. And the last one is fear, which mm -hmm. apostle already mentioned. People are afraid afraid of the unknown. They're afraid. Uh, a lot of times there's finances. We've been talking about this. It's like a lot of pastors are afraid of losing their buildings, losing their mm -hmm. status. And right. so their fear is holding yeah. them, them back. And so uh, pride, tradition, ignorance, and fear, we've got to break all those barriers to set the captives free. So good. So good. I think you guys covered it all. I just want to mention, I had some pastors reach out and they said, we started to deliverance and you know, our church, 
started to shrink, you know, and interestingly, wow. we actually had a similar situation in the earlier days. And uh, we thought that if we do deliverance, you know, and I think God was testing us on purpose because he wants us to do it out of a, for us, I know this was our test to do it out of pure motives. Right. And, um, yeah. you know, and this was before internet kind of, you know, uh, caused a lot of things to go viral and everything. And so these particular pastors were like, you know what, the church is shrinking and everything. And, you know, and I'm like, well, first of all, we're not doing deliverance as a church growth technique, even though mm. overall it does, especially if you uh, begin to do more of it, testimonies travel and demonized people, oppressed people, which are plenty in the world. They will start coming by by buses. They're start flying, they start getting tickets. I mean, we had a, it wasn't a deliverance service. A guy just flew from LA this weekend. People picked him up in another state, brought him here. And in the parking lot, he was receiving prayer and was receiving deliverance, even though it wasn't deliverance service. So it, it became like that. But until it became like that, there was a test. And I felt like when that happens, when you do it and you don't see those results that you thought they're going to bring you, you know, or you're particularly maybe, I know we have a lot of people starting today who are on Isaiah's map, who are doing deliverance in their church. And maybe you're coming under attack from, from demons, from the critics, from the religious people, and you can get discouraged. You know, I believe that this live stream today, you know, we want to add fuel to your flame. We want to come alongside and encourage yeah. you say, listen, don't do it because it's easy. Deliverance is not easy. Right. You know, deliverance messes up your schedule on Sunday. You have yeah. this idea, hey, you want to go to lunch and there, uh, you know, demon manifests. The next thing that happens is that's it. You know, there goes your lunch. Uh, a young man called me this week. He was doing a uh, preaching at the camp and one teenager started uh, manifesting. And so he's like, hey, can you help me? And I was like, well, you know, what's going on? And so he's like, hey, we're casting out a demon. Demon is not leaving. I was like, well, keep on casting out until you cast it out. I was like, get ready. Six, seven hours. Come on. I was like. What would you think? I was like, your idea is that if it doesn't leave in 60 seconds, you're doing something wrong. I was like, I'm keep on putting that pressure. I was like, this so. is not for weak people. I'm like, you're in there for a long term. You're in it for a long haul. And I was like, I shared a few experiences where I had to go long. Uh, I'm like, I hope I don't have to. But in some cases, he's like, well, I thought, you know, this would be easy. I was like, well, you just read it in the book. You never actually did it. When you start doing it, you begin to realize and understand it's not always as people say. And so we just wanted to encourage every person. If you're coming with against criticism, if you're coming against religious crowd and you may be getting discouraged or maybe you've had few attempts and person didn't get fully delivered to find courage today. We want to encourage you. We want to speak life into you so that you can be empowered to cast out demons to break curses and to continue in the ministry because at the end of the day we're not doing this to become popular we're not yeah. doing this to become famous we're not doing this so that we can be called demon hunters demon slayers we're doing this because this is the call of jesus whether it, we're going to be known criticized thrown under the bus whether people are going to make videos about us whether people are going to throw us whatever they're going to do to us we're going to do what jesus called us to do because that's what he did so good and let me go jump ahead, in here just very quickly, just trying to kind of add a little parody to this. You know, um, at this point, for those of you that are watching, uh, you can't throw the, throw us under the bus. We live under the bus. <laughs> Come on. We live under the bus. You Come can't throw us under the bus. I live under the bus. <laughs> so good. I got Come a tent on. under the bus, bro. I live stream from under the bus. That's where I live stream from. I'm under the bus uh, right now in my office. 
So somebody left a comment on one of my videos about demons the other day that said, you guys are going to go down as some of the most hated, but also the most respected Come on. at the same time. And it's true. It's like in a lot of time you feel like the most hated, but the people who get it, the people who understand, the people who are being freed, the most respected. It's both, yeah. you know? It's so good. And if you look at the Bible, if we look at Jesus, number one, they call Jesus a cult leader, but number two, Deliverance was what ruined his reputation with religious people. Absolutely right. destroyed his reputation. They said, who is this cult leader? He does miracles by the power of Satan. The Bible says that's when they started to wanting to kill him. When he did deliverance was the moment the Bible says, and they begin to look for ways to kill Jesus. So yeah. you have to understand, not only is it going to get you, your reputation absolutely ripped with religious people. When you start doing deliverance, pastor, I'm just telling you already, I'm gonna warn you, all these people that are in your church, these families that have been there for years, they're going to start bucking up against you. They're going to start saying, well, I don't think we should do that on Sunday. I don't think we should emphasize. I don't think we should talk about it behind the pulpit. I think we should put it in the back room. Yet if you look at the gospels, I was telling a guy today that I was doing deliverance on today over Zoom, like it's impossible to read the gospels and tell me Jesus minored on miracles. Jesus minored <laughs> on deliverance. Jesus minored on, Jesus didn't just preach it, he demonstrated it. And what we yeah, have in America right. is a lot of people preaching about it, but never actually doing it. And it's going to take time. It's gonna take effort. You, you maybe won't be able to golf as much as you used to. You maybe won't be able to have bingo nights every single week and you know flag football at the park. There's sacrifice that comes when you start getting into deliverance ministry. Now, do you become a target for the enemy? Of course you do, but Jesus has promised us divine protection over demonic powers and it's right. the it's the funnest life listen guys when you start doing the work and you don't just preach on it you don't just talk about it and you don't say oh well if god wants to do this is guys one of the big hindrances we see right now if god wants to do miracles if god wants to do deliverance he's just gonna do it that's wrong. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible mm -hmm. says you've been given the power. You've been given the authority. Even last night I was teaching on like, when it says that when you stretch forth your hand in healing, God will work with you. So don't right. expect him to work with you when all you're doing is having bingo night. And praise the Lord, if you have bingo night, bingo's fun. Praise God for you, okay? I'm not trying to, I'm just trying to say something so abstract that you're like, that's not my church. But you have to understand you're not called to be a natural, sanitized, comfortable place for demons. We need to be places, and by the way, there's over 5,000 people watching, praise the Lord for that. We need to be people that are evicting demons, not inviting them in, not making them comfortable, not allowing them to you know, remain unchallenged. We need to challenge demonic powers as believers. There's a war, and one thing I've been reading, okay guys, don't judge me, but I've been reading, he came to set the captives free this week, and so I'm just like, I'm rocked, bro. I'm like, the devil's real. He's alive. You know, I'm like, I'm getting this whole new revelation, but I'm like, man, the devil is so alive and well. He's not obviously one place at one time, but he's not being challenged. Like if anything, I want to be known as someone who challenges darkness, who opposes the works of darkness. And even this issue we're talking about tonight, um, when it comes to curses, the word curse is found in the Bible in various forms over 230 times. Six different words in Hebrew and Greek are translated curse. Yet let's ask this, when's the last time we even mentioned 
the possibility of being under a curse as believers, right? Mm -hmm. When's the last time the church has even talked about it, yet we see it not only entire chapters dedicated to curses in the Old Testament, we're not talking about cussing, guys, we're talking about actual curses, and then we see even into the New Testament that there was curses. Even Paul says, like, who has bewitched right. you? Who has cast a curse on you, an evil spell on you? Mm -hmm. And so we have to realize that demons enforce curses. So now the other side of it is, we could talk, talk about this as well, people say, well, Jesus broke every curse at the cross. The Bible actually says in Galatians 3 that Jesus broke the curse of sin and the curse of the law. Those what what was broken at the cross, but there's various other sins besides the curse of sin and the curse of the law. And I would say one of the reasons why we don't talk about curses or believe in generational curses or curses is because you know, we want to make our decisions and make choices in life with no consequences. So why pastors don't preach on demons, curses, Christians being demonized is because if you preach on this, then you also have to say there's consequences to the movies you watch. Come on, don't get all quiet on me, chat. There's Damn. consequences to Damn. the things that you say. There's consequences to the people that you sleep with, that you're sleeping with. There's yeah. consequences to adultery and fornication, idolatry. And last night I talked about how sickness enters the body. And one of it is through sin, Jesus said. And we don't even talk about that. We're just like, oh, right. you know, you're just dealing with financial problems. You've just been dealing with for generations or you've been dealing with cancer for generations or adultery, but we never connect it to the fact that it's possible that your choices have opened the door up for curses so i think the question has to be especially tonight we're going on with generational curses is what are you going to pass down are you going to pass down because tonight the reason why it's so significant what we're talking about is because we're not talking just about you getting an emotional experience tonight which you may get and you probably will get we are talking about a hundred years from now we're talking about 150 years from now your great 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 grandson who would have cheated on his wife, who would have been a liar and a thief. Now he's a son and daughter of God. Now they're worshiping, praising God because great, 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 great grandfather was in a live stream on August 10th of 2021 and a curse was broken. It stopped in the family. And now my entire generational bloodline is different. That my bloodline has been reprogrammed, that I am the curse breaker and something has changed in my life. So this notion or idea that Christians can't be under a generational curse or under the consequences of sin is completely wrong because many of you are believers and you know, cancers ran in my family for 10 years or 30 years or 50 years, or my father cheated on my mom, my grandfather cheated on his 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 wife my great-grandfather cheated on his wife and it goes back generation generation and then now you say oh well, i go to church on sunday and i attend bingo night and i go to potluck and now <laughs> nothing's wrong and then all of a sudden you cheat on your wife and you come to us and say what is going on what was going on was there's a generational curse there that needed to be broken that you weren't willing to acknowledge. And so I wanna be, guys, the curse breaker. I wanna break the generational curses. I wanna get free in my bloodline. I wanna not only get free from curses, but I want generational demons to be broken. Because I, I really believe there's not only generational curses, I believe there's generational demons that are assigned to your bloodline, that are assigned to your family over different ethnicities, different cultures have different demons, different strongholds over certain regions and territories. And so I believe tonight, as we share about this, God is breaking curses god is breaking yeah. the power i don't know if you guys want to tag in here and just talk about a little bit about curses but i think it's something we need to talk about as a body of christ that's not being talked about let me let me just say this to kind of piggyback of what you were just kind of saying and i say this all the time in my church that the actions that we do today are literally uh getting stored away for future generations mm. you know the book of hebrews chapter 7 actually outlines this but it talks about it in the form of generational blessings um, and it talks right. about when Abraham or Abram gave a tithe to Melchizedek. Now, we all know the story. 
But if you fast forward to the book of Hebrews chapter 7, in the very early verses, it says that when Abram gave a tithe to Melchizedek, Levi, Levi, the text actually says Levi, who was not yet born, was giving tithes in Abraham. And therefore, it was accredited to him three generations later. So it still matters. And this is post-resurrection. This is post-ascension. So in the, old, in the New Testament, they're still talking about generational, generational blessing or just the idea of anything that you do is generational. All right. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah. So we find that what you do today will be uh, accounted and accredited to, to future generations, which, which is one of the reasons why I tell my church all the time that I'm going so hard for God. Well, one, I go hard for God. I absolutely am in love with him. But I, I am storing up treasures in heaven. Now, now, why would the text say store up for yourself treasures in heaven when we get to heaven? There's no money. There's, no, there's not going to be an issue for money. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? The treasures in heaven is that whatever you do today gets stored in heaven's bank account in, concerning your bloodline. And that should the Lord tarry, future generations are still making withdrawals or receiving royalty checks yeah. for what you've done today. So it is crucially important, those of you that are watching me, to understand that your actions just do, does not just have individual ramifications, but they have generational bloodline ramifications as well. Reminds me of the verse in Revelation chapter 22, verse 3, and it deals with the new reign of Jesus on this earth. It's not dealing with this season, dispensation of grace we are in. It's dealing with when Jesus comes back on earth. And this is what it says, Revelation chapter 22, verse 3. There shall be no more curse, mm. but the throne of God and the Lamb and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. And then it goes on to say, they shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. There is no instance, not one verse in the Bible, that references this season until the coming of Jesus Christ come on on this earth so Bible clearly states in Revelation chapter 22 it says when there will be no weeping there will be no more sun that's when it says there shall be no curse ah, there, is no, ah. there is no reference what it says there shall be no curse because Jesus died there is no reference of that it, just, it says he overcame the curse but we know he also uh, we were healed by his stripes we also know he has destroyed the flesh he has, you know, our old man is dead, yet we're still wrestling with that. And so there shall be no more curse indicates that future. Right now, curses are real. The first consequence of sin in the garden was not hell. It was not eternal separation from God. It was curse, curse on the ground. Come God on. cursed the snake. We see all the way, the whole Old Testament was really divided, cursed or blessed. It wasn't lost or saved and wow. God's principles they remain the same obedience to God brings blessing disobedience to God brings curses now we know obedience to God does not guarantee us salvation we're saved by the grace through the blood by our faith in Christ but the principles of God's word and us obeying or disobeying them would guarantees curses and those things bring blessings concerning concerning the generational curses we must understand that whatever is not transformed will be transferred mm. whatever god does not transform in your life you will transfer to the next generation you can have a godly christian life 
and have one area of your life you did not yield to the Holy Spirit, it's not been transformed. It will be transferred. For example, let's look at Abraham. Abraham is a man of faith, but Abraham has a um, little fear, <laughs> lying problem. He, he says that his wife is his sister. Abraham has a problem with barrenness with his wife. In other areas, he's wealthy. In other areas, wealthy. In other areas, he walks with God. In this area, we see there's a struggle. It gets passed on to his son. His son has a similar problem. He lies about his wife. His grandson has the same problem, Jacob. He lies about everything pretty much. Hmm. Jacob's children, the fourth generation, they take lying to another level. They completely fabricate their own son, their own brother's death and say that, uh, that goats or wild animals ate him and stuff. And so we see this generation thing goes in, even though they served God, even though they worshiped one God. And so it's possible to have certain areas of our life that are not transformed by the grace, by the sanctifica sanctification, by the power of God, through deliverance, through, through renewing of our mind those things don't die with us. We pass them on to the next generation and somebody has to stop. Somebody has to declare a war. And I just want to encourage you, those of you watching or re-watching this, to drop that in the chat, that this battle might not have started with me, but it will end with That's me. It. This cancer will end with me. This anxiety will end with me. This divorce, it ran in the family until it ran into me. That this you know, fear, it ran in the family until it ran to me. This is absolute fire. You know, we started this teaching today by saying, Apostle, you know, said, listen, there's groupthink. And you're going to hear people say that curses do not exist today. Come on. We are actively attacking that right now. And Come remember, on. I said that one of the enemies to breakthrough, to freedom, to deliverance is ignorance. There are six. Six canonized books of the Bible. If you don't know them, if you're not well acquainted with it, you could be deceived because one popular preacher said that as soon as you said the sinner's prayer and 35 seconds later, all the curses were broken and you're good. And that is a lie. And, and you know what ignorance does? It keeps you bound. And so there's, there's so much rich revelation here. You know, I'll say, if you go back to Leviticus, the 26th chapter, verse 40, it says, but if they will confess their sins, but watch, and the sins of their ancestors. Mm -hmm. And you God. know, it's like, I, it, we miss this. Their unfaithfulness and their hostility towards me, which made me hostile towards them, so that I will send them into the land of their enemies. And you see this in Leviticus chapter 26. It's like, I want them to confess not just their sins, but the sins of their ancestors, because there was this understanding that it was connected. And we, I, I believe it's actually because we've become so individualistic you know, we, we disconnect, we don't have legacy. You know, we come from divorced families. We come from, you know, we just, we don't understand this. Even when the disciples said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. He didn't say, okay, repeat after me, my father. He said, our father. And he didn't, it didn't say, forgive me of mm -hmm. my sins. He, it actually says, forgive us, plural. Mm -hmm. So we, we become so individualistic. It's like we are not connected in our minds in the 21st century. We're not connected to the generations. We're not connected communally. And we need to reestablish a, a very real interpretation of Scripture, not the one that a popular preacher just gave you in a soundbite, but what it actually says. And I think what you're going to experience tonight is we've actually read our Bibles. Right. <laughs>
And that, and that and that's where freedom flows from. We actually understand the Jewish roots. We understand Judaism, the context. Jesus would have been well acquainted, and there was not a disconnection of the generations, even in salvation, even in confession. And we're bringing that back. So really, we're not teaching a new thing. We're teaching the old thing. We're bringing it back. So good. And I think guys that teach, like, for instance, Christians can't have demons or Christians can't have generational curses. They have all these statements that are unbiblical statements. I've heard like, God's not going to move into a haunted house. Like, where's that in the Bible? You just completely made that up because it sounds good. And it does sound good. I'm like, praise the Lord. He doesn't move into a haunted house. But they use that to say Christians can't have demons. It's not a biblical reality or Christians can't be cursed. Now, again, there's no verse in the Bible where Jesus said, once you're saved, you will not deal with any curse. Everything's gone. You're all this. Like, there's still consequences. If you look at Ezekiel 18.2, the Israelites saw curses being passed down and they came up with a proverb and they would say, and this is in Ezekiel 18.2, sour grapes eaten by parents leave a sour taste in the mouth of their children. This is a right. verse directly relating to the choices that parents make, what they eat, the sour grapes, the partaking of sin, the partaking of compromise, I'm not going to taste it. It says it leaves a taste in the mouth of the children. So you have to realize when I'm dabbling in, listen guys, now this is where the fear of the Lord needs to strike you. When I'm dabbling in pornography, when I'm dabbling in Whoa. lust, when I'm cheating, look, look at this guys, when I'm cheating in my business, when I'm cheating on my taxes, it's getting hot in here, is it just me? When I'm Come lying, on. when I'm gossiping, when I'm murmuring, when I'm mm-hmm. not in prayer, when I'm an idolater, that means I worship idols, I worship sports, I worship television, it's getting hot y'all, I worship Netflix, I worship TikTok, I'm not even tasting the curse. Now you may taste it, but the problem according to Ezekiel is my children are actually going to have to taste of that they're actually gonna have to taste of the perversion of the sin of the compromise and my sin is gonna leave a taste in their mouth that means they don't even deserve it y'all like my daughters they don't even deserve to deal with it but they're going to have to taste of the compromise of the sin because guess what Dad was up at two o'clock in the morning on his computer doing stuff he shouldn't have been doing. Mom was out cheating. Mom was out sleeping around. Mom was out worshiping idols. Mom was out bowing down before the cell phone. This is an idol, guys, by the way. And so now we have children that are raising up, and it's getting real, raising up in the church. We're like, I raised them in the church. Yeah, you raised them in church with no power, with no miracles, with no deliverance, with no Holy Ghost fire, and their kid gets raised up. What happens? when they get a laptop? What happens when they get an iPad? What happens when Johnny gets a cell phone? I don't know what happened. I don't know, and the dad comes to church. I don't know where I went wrong. My son's watching pornography at eight years old, six years old, five years old. I've talked to seven year olds that are addicted to pornography. I don't know how that happened. Okay, do you watch pornography? Well, I mean, once in a while I fall into it at work. I'm on my office computer. There it is. That's why he got into it. He's tasting the sour grapes that you've been indulging in. I don't know what's wrong with my daughter. She's always, you know, talking to guys and she's out there. And you, and then you, you think back and go, wait a minute. This is exactly how I was at 16. This was exactly how I was at 19. I was just like her. And what happened? Mom and dad went to church, but they never broke the curse. In Jesus' name, the curse ends now. It stops with me. As Vlad said, it ran into my family until it ran into me. I am not going to let my daughters taste the sour grapes. I already have the sour grapes. They're terrible. And some of you have gotten an appetite for sour grapes when God is saying, I'm trying to wean you off. I'm trying to break this off of you and I'm trying to change your appetite. No longer do I have an appetite for pornography and lust and addiction Mm -hmm. and drugs and alcohol, but I have an appetite for righteousness. I have an Mm -hmm. appetite for the word of God. And so I want you guys tonight, listen, 
We're not just going like theologically deep with you. I want you to practically understand that your choices today, and you guys just said this, I'm just echoing it. They matter in a hundred years. Like my choices right now today, how I talk, how I act, whether I'm in prayer or not, whether I'm showing up to church for the meetings, the prayer meetings I'm getting at the altar, these are going to impact a hundred years from now. So get out of this whole like, oh, it's all about me. And you know, I don't want to get delivered. I'm scared. It's not biblical and curses. You know, I'm a Christian. I can't have a curse. Okay. Keep saying that until, until your daughter comes to you at seven years old. And it says, mom, I've been looking at this thing and dad and your son's now, you know, nine years old and is dealing with all this demonic stuff. And meanwhile, you're arguing with us about whether curses are for Christians. Well, why is so many young people in the church messed up? Why are so many people in the church messed up because the enemy has lied to you telling right. you his power doesn't work as long as you're a believer and it does so i think this is definitely for the church our decisions matter today and by the way we have over 5500 people watching so praise the lord for that it's awesome you know as you share as you share that 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 story you know isaiah you know my heart goes out you know as a pastor my heart goes out because you know and i'm going to use a parallel you know and I'm, I'm not sure that this is the best analogy but you know, we have a Christian Me Too movement going on in the church, mm. which means though the pastors are saying no such thing as generational curses, a Christian can't have a demon. Come on, pastor. Listen, there is a spiritual Me Too movement, though you have the best theology, though you have, you know, you have your discourse and presentation thoroughly thought out theologically, both Old Testament, New Testament, and all, you know, using the early church fathers or whatever the case may be. And that's debatable, debatable in and of itself. But... That's still not stopping the devil from wrecking havoc in people's lives. That is still not people or members of your church experiencing incubus and succubus and they're being attacked right. at night. Or they're, they're finding themselves living out the patterns of their father or their grandfather, their great grandfather. And the issue is this, is that they're suffering in silence in our churches. They're suffering in silence, but there is a movement of me too. You know what I'm saying? Even though I know that that's like a secular uh, type of phrase there, but the, the truth of that it still reigns, reigns and speaks loudly and speaks volumes that if you would ask I, I pastor, and I know that pastors, we're good at surveys. Why don't you do a survey in your church and say, who's come dealing on. with come generation? On. Just do a survey, just test it out. I promise you and make the results private, which means that your staff gets it. You're going to see that you're going to see a large percentage of a me too movement in your churches of people saying, miss, I love the Lord. I'm doing everything. I'm fasting and I'm praying. But there is something going mm -hmm. on in my life that I can't consistently break the pattern. And I'm, I'm about to lose control and I need help and I need some deliverance. You know, it reminds me of a, a Proverbs chapter 3, verse 23. It says, the curse of the Lord is on the house of the wicked. Wow. It doesn't say on the wicked, on the house of the wicked. And he blesses the home of the just. I have not heard one person who claims that generational curses don't exist, who agrees that generational blessings don't exist. Go ahead, say it. People would say, you know, generational curses don't exist anymore because we're under the new covenant. They don't, they don't even believe that, about curses at all, but, the, but they believe in generational blessings. And so we believe in generational blessings. Even if you look in the New Testament, for example, Old Testament, Genesis chapter 7, verse 1, Noah goes in with his family to the ark. Noah didn't go by himself. His kids were, were with him. His, his wife was with him. Lot was taken out with his family out of Sodom and Gomorrah. We see Israel had to prepare a lamb for a house, so not good. just for one individual. We see that Rahab brought her father, her mother, her brothers, and her sisters into the house, and the family unit was saved. 
We see that me and my house will serve the Lord. Joshua 24 verse 5. The centurion with his household believed after Jesus healed his servant. We see that Cornelius believed and was baptized and spoke in tongues and prophesied with his house. Acts chapter 10. We see Lydia believed with her house. We see the jailer, the one that Paul led to the Lord with his house, he believed. The ruler of the synagogue in Acts 18.8, he believed together with his household. We see Paul baptized the household wow. of Stephanus. Pretty so strong. the New Testament keeps having this thing where as where the father goes, the family That's follows. It. And so we see that this family component, we see this God's thing touching the family unit. And God always worked with families. He didn't just work with one individual. And so even when one member gets saved, they begin to you know, persevere, persist, and, and God begins to bring the whole family. And so God works like that. He's a generational God, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so yes. to say that in the New Testament that switched, to say that that no longer matters is not true. We just have to be honest and start looking at our family tree and see, okay, what is growing on this tree? Is cancer growing on the street Come at the on, age of 40? Everybody dies. Right. Is marriage always falls apart? Everyone is married three, four times. Is there mental illness that runs rampant on the street? Just be honest. Is premature death? Is there accident prone that runs on the street? Is there constant uh, problems with spiritual issues, spiritual authority? Is there constant, constant infidelity that is growing on there? Is everybody in jail? There was one guy, he was um, A.E. Winship. And it's a very common story. A lot of people used it. He did a study on this particular family uh, during 1900s in a New York area over there. Max Juke, he did, he kind of went and he started studying this guy's family. Max Juke was a heathen. And he found that 300 310 out of his 1200 descendants were poor people so one out of four were poor people at first seems like okay you know not a big deal 300 out of other people that's one out of four died in infancy from lack of good care and good condition 50 women lived as prostitutes 400 men and women were physically wrecked early through their own wickedness Seven of his descendants were state convicted murderers. Sixty were habitual thieves who spent 12 years in jail. 130 were convicted of one or two crimes. Pretty much the whole tree. If you look at this guy's family tree, like you don't have to be a rocket scientist to see that something is wrong. It matches with the scripture in Proverbs. Yes. The house of the wicked is cursed meaning everything is withering. What is a curse? It's everything is withering. Everything is dying. Everything is decaying. And at the same time as Max Jukes lived, there was another guy that lived not very far from him. His name was Jonathan Edwards. This guy, he went into Jonathan Edwards. This author was not Christian. He goes into Jonathan Edwards' family tree and he starts tracking every person. And according to him, this is what he came to the conclusion that Jonathan Edwards had 11 children. He was a theologian. He was a pastor. One of his descendants was a U.S. vice president. Three of them were U.S. senators. Three of them were governors. Three of them were mayors. 13 were college presidents. 30 were judges. 65 were professors. 80 held public office. Uh, uh, held public office. 100 were lawyers. 100 were missionaries, pastors, 
and theologians, and not one of them went to jail. Not one of them cost U.S. government a penny by doing all of that crazy stuff. So look at that. What do you see? You see blessing. You see a house that's being empowered by God. And so we as Christians believe the curses still continue based on your obedience or disobedience to God. And not only, see we have to understand and I like what Apostle Alexander has a book on generational curses and the way he explains the difference between curses and demons and I'm gonna you know have him explain that but I, what I want to mention is that curses don't just come from demons in fact they don't come from demons they first come from God right you see the verse that I've read it says that God says the Lord's curse it's not just using the word because God is sovereign the first person who pronounced a curse on the human race was God it wasn't the devil. It wasn't God. It wasn't the devil who pronounced the curse on Adam and Eve. It was God who pronounced the curse on the devil. So people in authority can pronounce a curse. You can pronounce a curse upon yourself. You can bring an object into your house and that can bring a curse. You can have a witch or a warlock pronounce a curse. And so curses are not just, oh, they're just demonic. This is what happens when you violate God's order. You step onto a territory where you begin to have the things in your life that are good begin to wither and die and decay. Well, let me let, let's just define and just to kind of continue what Pastor Vlad is saying. Let's let, let's just let me help you understand the difference. Okay, a, a curse is an edict. The courtroom of heaven. Say it. Say it. Against a family, a person, a country, a people group for violating a law of the courtroom of heaven that warrants judgment from the heaven. It's not a demon, it's an edict, it's a pronouncement, mm -hmm. which means someone did something so foul that the, it warranted judgment from the courtroom of heaven. Now, where do demons come into play here? The curse is the edict given to the demon. The demon mm -hmm. takes the edict, the paperwork, and it gives it legal right to carry out that judgment. Right. So, when, so this so is why the Bible says that when Saul did not kill the king and fully wiped out the Amalekites, what does the Bible say? That a curse, a curse from the Lord came. A curse mm -hmm. from the Lord. And he was tormented by a demon, a spirit from the Lord. Not that, not that, uh, that God is doing the cursing, but rather mm -hmm. the demon is empowered because the that's the good. courtroom of heaven had deemed that Saul's sin at that point was not even a personal thing. It was a courtroom issue because when God had originally told Saul through the prophet Samuel, he said, now is the time for me to, uh, I have now pronounced judgment on the Amalekites for what they did, mm -hmm. children of Israel, and now have come to collect, which means now the courtroom of heaven is saying, now, now's the time to destroy them. Make sure you wipe out everybody. We all know the story. So when, uh, so when Saul did not carry out the edict from the courtroom of heaven, the Bible says heaven rejected him. This is the reason why Samuel's intercession could not change God's mind. This right. is the reason why God told Samuel, stop praying for Saul. The courtroom of heaven has rejected him from being king. Which means, which means watch this, that a curse can be revoked with the right intercession. It can, it, it, there can be some changing going on there. But when the courtroom of heaven deems something is cursed, then an edict is pronounced. The edict gives the demon legal access to carry it out. This is why the only way to get the curse actually broken is that it has to redirect itself. You don't spend five hours just 
casting out the demon part. You deal with the courtroom of heaven, the repentance, the renouncing. Once you deal with the courtroom of heaven, then another edict is released. And the edict gets sent to the demonic powers that are carrying out that curse. And the edict will say, stop, enough, enough. Or, watch this, it is finished. And therefore, the demon by default has to release it. And then you find now another law kicks in and God begins to favor a family or an individual and the dynamic of that family's life or the church or an individual begins to change. So it's not, it's not the curse is not the demon. The curse is an edict by the courtroom of heaven that warrants it by, by committing an infraction in the scripture that warrants it. And we'll deal with that a little bit later because chapter five actually says that not all sin leads to death. So I, actually there is a different, there are different degrees of sin. Arguing with my wife, arguing with my wife does not warrant a curse. Come on. But, but committing adultery on my wife does. Wow. So first John talks about, he says there are some sins that lead to death or mm -hmm. eternal judgment, which means now it's a courtroom of heaven thing. And then the next verse says, and they are some sins that do not lead to death, which means the courtroom of heaven doesn't have to get involved if I'm having an argument with my wife. But the courtroom of heaven does get involved if I'm cheating on my wife. But we'll get into that a little bit later. So the curse and the demon are not the same thing. So good. So, you want to add anything, Pastor Mike, to any of this? Yeah, I, I want to make sure you I get some time and, and maybe Apostle can help with this as well, but we need to take a step back because people are watching globally. You're a part of democracies, different countries, but we're talking about kingdom. And in a kingdom, the king's word is the yep. law. So when so he good. speaks it, it becomes the law. And so when you talk about these, when we're talking about edicts, I, I think it's hard to understand because we're talking kingdom language, right? So we talk about here in the United States, we talk about the constitution, which is written down, mm -hmm. but the king's word is the, is the law. So in the beginning was the word. So in other words, the king's decree, whatever he says, that's what it is. And so when he pronounces as a curse as a recompense for sin that is a decree that's been made it's established as law so you have to understand that because when he talks about the courtroom of heaven and he talks about edicts you have to understand kings and kingdoms to to understand that so apostle do you want to kind of go a little bit deeper on that well i think you summed it up here is is that there is the kingdom of heaven and then there is the gospel of the kingdom so we right. find this actually breaks it down into two now they're both simultaneously and they're both interchangeably theologically which means the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom and the gospel of the kingdom they're, they're interchangeable but in some references they do not mean uh they do not mean the same the same thing and let me use one verse to help you understand this jesus said seek first the kingdom all right he's not talking about the kingdom of heaven in that verse because that part is already established in the latter part of the verse and his righteousness that and his righteousness that's the seeking the salvation part but when you when you when you seek the kingdom you're seeking the gospel of the kingdom and what does it mean it means god's way of doing thing or god's way of doing things or rather the constitution of heaven or god's governing influence in heaven invading a territory on the earth as a colony the church is the colony of the kingdom and what is right. a colony because it goes back to democracy and then and then kingdom all right here in the u.s we have no idea what what uh you know colony is mm -hmm. uh 
after a certain amount of years, after when, when we completely, as a matter of fact, the reason why we came over from Britain was because we we're trying to break away. You know, we we're trying to break away from, from Britain. So to establish a, a more of a democratic rule. But okay, so the ki a kingdom is God's governing influence impacting a territory, influencing that territory with his plan, purposes, pursuit, his nature, his character, and making that territory an extension of his territory, therefore making it what you and I would call a colony. All right. Now, within that colony, there's a governor that oversees that colony. The governor's job within the colony is to make sure that the colony is exactly the same replica of it. where it's being extended. Mm -hmm. Now, watch this. This is why it says, on earth... Yep. as it is in heaven. Do you see what I'm saying? So when, we, when we're praying, we're supposed to be praying colony. We're supposed to be praying, Lord, establish on the earth as it is mm -hmm. in heaven. Now, the governor of this kingdom is the Holy Spirit, which is Come why on. the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. says, well, first of all, what does Jesus say? If I cast out demons by the finger of God, then surely the Spirit of God is among you. So mm -hmm. the Spirit of God is the governor of the kingdom and his job the paracletos is to make sure that whenever he shows up the extension of that kingdom arrives completely it's actually completely separate now the kingdom of heaven actually has to do with god's home where yeah. where the angels abide and where you and i as a christian to be absent from the body is to be present with the lord that is living in in god's throne room but when we say the gospel of the kingdom it's god's throne room actually invading the earth and what did god say or what did jesus say to seek first he said seek first the kingdom and his righteousness that's the salvation part what, what mostly the church does is we seek first his righteousness and we never seek the kingdom we Come just on. never the kingdom we just seek first his righteousness his righteousness his righteousness and therefore what happens when you don't seek the kingdom now watch this when you seek his righteousness you go through the door but if you don't seek the kingdom you never get the and shall be added unto you so we got a bunch of saved people that are still bound you got a bunch of saved people that are still in bondage you got what they're in the door they're saved but the added unto you the benefits the rights and the constitution of the kingdom never gets applied right. to their life because they have not completely embraced the full gospel to be able to inherit or to receive by divine right as a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. The and the rest of these things shall be added unto you. What shall be added? Healing will be added unto you. Deliverance will be added unto you. Breakthrough will be added unto you. Curse broken added unto you. And this is why we want to encourage everyone to understand that there's a major difference between the kingdom of heaven and then the gospel of the kingdom or the good news of the kingdom or that the kingdom of God has arrived among us. God's extending a colony of heaven on the earth in a territory, church, family, uh, a life, and therefore we're actually walking out heaven on earth. Amen. So good, man. There's too much firepower up in this broadcast tonight. We're over 5,500, guys. This is incredible. I wanted to read also Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19 says, I've set before you, and you touched on this, Vlad, earlier. I've set before you life and death, 
blessing and cursing. So I want you to notice there's not a third category. Some of you are like, well, I'm not blessed, but I'm also not cursed because I'm a Christian. So you're like in the carpool lane, but there's no carpool lane. He says, I'm going to set before you life and death. So you either are life, have life or death, blessing and cursing. But this is what he says. And this is where most people don't attach this or catch this. What the generational curses, he says, therefore choose life that both you and your seed shall live. So he says, I want you to choose life, not only just life, but the life that God has prepared for you. We know in John, Jesus said, I've come to bring life and life more abundantly so that not just for your sake, because it is going to benefit you, but also that your seed shall live. So we Mm. have to understand there's only two options, the blessing or the curse, and you need to choose blessing for your children's sake. So sometimes listen, if you're like, I don't really feel like fighting, fight for your children. If you're not motivated to pray, Pray for the sake of your children. If you're not motivated to fast, fast on behalf of your children. If you're not motivated to go to church or be in Christ, do it for your kid's sake. If you look back to the prophets, oftentimes the people would want to give up and they'd want to quit. They're tired of fighting the enemy. They're tired of building the wall. They're tired of going back and forth with the Egyptians or with the Babylonians. And the prophet would speak out and say, what about your children? And the answer is, what about our children? The question was, what is going to happen to the next generation if you give up? In other words, if this soft, soft, S-O-F-T, church culture, soft pastors, soft leaders, if we keep up with this, if we keep up with this, this American uh, westernized, commercialized, compromised, plastic, synthetic, I can keep going here if you want me to, this soft church culture where we never confront darkness, we never fight the enemy, we never lay hands on the sick, we never preach on holiness, we don't talk about hell, we don't talk about marriage being between a man and a woman, we never address none of this. If this soft church culture keeps going on and on, what is going to happen to our children's generation? Because we know that Satan is violently advancing. Now, if you don't believe this, I want you to go look at the 70s, okay? Look at, um, go to the beach in the 70s. It's modest, okay? Go to the mall in the 70s. There's not sexual. Now, go to the mall today, okay? Go to the beach today and tell me, I was just at the beach with my kids. Tell me that sin has not increased. Tell me that compromise has not increased. Go to the mall. Everywhere you go, sexualize. People wearing nothing now. Why? Because the devil's kingdom visibly, come on, I'm helping someone tonight, is advancing. Now, look at the church. In the 70s till now, what has the kingdom of God done? We've gone backwards. We used to be into miracles and signs and wonders. So now the church is regressing and the the devil who has a church, if you didn't know that, has worship leaders, has ministers. The Bible says his ministers are his angels of light. The devil's advancing. Go to TikTok right now, scroll 10 times, and you'll tell me, you'll see the devil's advancing. But then you look at the church and we're going backwards. We're getting softer. And so for our children's sake, for the next generation's sake, come on, I'm preaching to somebody. We need to get serious about God. Exodus 34, seven. This is like the title, um, elementary generational curse verse. God says he will visit. This is uh, Exodus 34, chapter 34, verse seven. The iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children unto the third and the fourth generation. Who's visiting them with curses? God is visiting them. This is a generational curse. So let's say it's four generations, okay? That's two parents, four grandparents, eight great-grandparents, and 16 great-great-great-grandparents. That's four generations. So that means this, guys. 30 ancestors 
from which a curse could derive from in your life. Now, you might say, and a lot of you in the chat are saying, by the way, the chat's on fire. I think we have over 40,000 comments that have come through. This is absolutely insane. But this is, this is what you guys are saying tonight in the chat. How am I supposed to know? How am I supposed to know, Apostle Pagani, what generational curses I have from 30 ancestors? The answer is you're not supposed to know because the Holy Spirit knows. The Holy Spirit knows what's there. Now, you can also look at which Vlad talked about. Is there like sickness running in the family? Is there poverty running in the family? Is there barrenness running in the family? Is there freak accidents? And this is all in Deuteronomy chapter 28. Is there untimely or unnatural deaths? Is there life traumas? Is there mental or emotional breakdown? Is there breakdown of family relationships like divorce? These are all ways we know if there's a curse. Like, you don't need to give me a prophetic word. But for those of you that are like, I have no clue, I'm telling you right now, listen to me clearly. The Holy Spirit will reveal the curse the holy spirit will reveal to you now if you don't have a relationship with the holy spirit I, I don't know what to tell you but as you gain relationship you say god i want to know you more i want to get closer to the holy spirit now let me tell you about my testimony the holy spirit revealed to me about i don't know it was like a year maybe around a year after being saved give or take there was a generational curse in my bloodline now i knew there was a specific sin through my bloodline. I didn't know there was a curse. I didn't know there was a generational curse. And at that time, I probably, I don't know if I even believed that Christians kept generational curses. I don't remember. But I know that I was praying. It was probably like 1130 or midnight. I'll never forget this, guys. And you guys might want to share some of the stuff God's freed you generational from. But the Holy Spirit in prayer said, you have a generational curse that needs to be broken. Now, I didn't know what to do, how to do it. I called a friend of mine who's probably in the broadcast tonight. He is in the chat. And I said, bro come over right now. I'm not going to bed with this curse, bro. Like I know I've been living with it for, you know, 20 years, but I'm breaking it tonight. And he came over now again. I don't know guys, if it was a demon attached to the curse, I don't know what it was. I just know he began to pray for me and something began to speak out of me. Something began to say I was there for, I want to say it was like, if I don't remember correctly, or if I remember seven generations, but I think it was a demon attached to the curse, but the demon was like, I've been there for seven generations through the bloodline, blah, 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 blah. And I was just sitting back like, kind of like in a, I don't know if it was like a third state of, or like third person, but I was getting delivered. Isaiah Saldivar was getting delivered and the curse was broken. And now that I'm married, I have a family, the curse has nowhere to land. It has no power over me, has no desire over me, has no ability to do anything to my family, to my marriage, to none of that, because I broke the curse. Now. I could have said, oh no, I'm a Christian Holy Spirit. Like imagine me telling the Holy Spirit, oh no, I'm a Christian, I'm a preacher, I can't have a curse, but the Lord revealed. So I believe tonight as we're preaching on this, I know we've been going for an hour here. There's 5,500 of you here. I believe the Holy Spirit is beginning gonna reveal. Now maybe you already cool. know you have a curse, right? We're gonna pray tonight and break it. Obviously we're not gonna leave without praying, but I believe that the Holy Spirit is revealing to some of you that there is a curse. Apostle Pagani, if I'm not mistaken, was there something that you got free from a generational curse or generational thing I thought maybe, or maybe you don't want to share that on the air here with 5,000 people listening, but I, I had breakthrough in my life. So it changed my mindset because now I'm like, okay, it's real. It's a real thing that God wants to deliver and break. And the Holy Spirit knows this, right? We don't have to just like, how do I know from 30 ancestors, the Holy Spirit can reveal this to you. Well, um, I have no problem sharing this because I open up my book in the Secrets to Deliverance. I open up the book sharing my own personal testimony. Mine was a little bit different. Now, for those of you that are, are new to this channel, because um, for the last two weeks, you know, there's been a lot of new people subscribing uh, to the channel. I, uh, let me just say this. I used to preach against deliverance. Say I used to, I used to do Bible studies against deliverance. All of you hecklers and antagonizers on your little three, three subscriber YouTube pages coming at us and trying to blast us. I was you. 
about maybe 15 years ago doing Bible studies. I used to preach against the Paganis and the Isaiahs and the Vlads and the, all of that stuff. So, you, you know, I've been there, done that. One day, this is a true story, one day, um, I was in a meeting with my staff. We were having a meeting with my staff, and the meeting turned in a direction. Um, I've been serving in the pastorate 18 years, all right? I just made 18 years in the pastorate last May. So I've been, a, I've been, I've been in ministry a long time as far as, as serving as a lead pastor of a church, all right? I've pastored three churches already. Um, in the middle of the meeting, the meeting turned left somewhere. Um, and obviously the meetings are designed. And let me pass a note this, that you're not, you, hopefully you shouldn't be surrounded by yes people, you know. And, and some people uh, in the meeting uh, decided to kind of like disagree with maybe uh, some of the projection ideas that I had had. And I'm not sure exactly what happened, but I became enraged. I became enraged in the middle of a pastor's meeting. I'm talking about with my pastor's staff in my church and i got up and my face was red and my wife was looking at me like man it's not that bad for you to be mad like this for, for whatever reason i'm manifesting full-blown wrath in the middle of this meeting simply because those around me didn't agree with some of my ideas for the you know for the next six months or something like that and i could and i was manifesting wrath to such a degree that i was watching myself manifest and i couldn't stop and it was actually a demon literally speaking through me, literally yelling at my staff. And wow. I said, and I said to myself, I said, Alex, what are you doing? Now, this is me talking about, I said, calm down. What's wrong with you? It's not that bad. I couldn't stop. I couldn't stop. And then I, so I prayed. I said, Lord, what is going on? And I clearly heard the verse said, I heard a voice tell me because I felt something tap me on my, my shoulder on my right and speak into my right ear and said, I've been sent. God is my witness. It's in my book. I said, I, I heard a voice said, I've been sent from the courtroom of heaven to make the generational curse of destruction manifest right now. I'm making it manifest and you're going to be free. So within split second, I don't know. I don't remember much what was going on, but I do remember the voice and I do remember what I was saying to myself because then I started getting, I started embracing shame. Like shame came over me. Because I was like, my God, I'm the pastor of this church. We had a thriving church at that time. And I'm like, I'm manifesting. These leaders of mine, they're going to lead the church. They're going to be like, I won't be under no pastor that's like this. So next thing I know, I'm on the floor. This God is my witness. I'm on the floor. And all I felt was pure rage. I wanted to grab the chair in the church meeting and literally hit everybody over the head. And I felt a foot about the size of literally, it was literally this big, my back press my back and then i heard the voice say the same thing and it said to me allow it to manifest why because prior to that time a christian can't have a demon because i'm seated with christ in heavenly places wow, I'm come on. i got all these scriptures of word of faith scriptures in my brain and i'm like i don't believe in this stuff so then i heard the voice say allow it to manifest allow it to manifest so then out of nowhere this large shriek came out of me of rage like ah and out of nowhere, it was gone. It was gone. And I felt the peace of God fill me up. So I sat up. And when I looked up, my wife was like, whoa. My leaders were like, oh, my God. And, and watch this. And for the next five minutes in the meeting, my wife fell out under the power of God. 
every leader that was in the room fell out under the power of God. They started manifesting. Everybody in that room got free. As a matter of fact, there was a young man at the bottom mm. of the church. It's a true story. There was a young man. This was around Easter time. We were, it was, as a matter of fact, it was the week of Good Friday. It was Holy. It was Passion Week. And, we, and they were downstairs practicing for the Easter play. They heard what was going on in the office. And one of them, this true story, one of them came running upstairs to find out what was going on. And when he came, this true story, when he came about maybe three feet of me, he gets thrown back about 10 feet. And then he digs in. This true story. He digs into his pocket and pulls out bags of dope saying, Pastor, I was going to backslide today. He throws it on the floor. He gets delivered by the power of God, and everybody in the room got delivered by the mm -hmm. power of God. And it was because God had not just delivered me from the demon, he had broken the generational curse of destruction in my wow. life. And it was in that day that I made up my mind that I was going to pursue this whole thing about generational curses and, and stop being uh, you know, a modern-day Pharisee and at least explore it to see what was going on. And thus, here we are all these years, all these years later. So I know exactly where many of you pastors are. You're, you're, you're me and Isaiah uh, years ago, and God is saying he's going to deliver you today. God's going to set you free today. And those of you that already believe in generational curses, today is your day of freedom. Come on. So good. Pastor Mike, Pastor Vlad, do you guys want to add into anything on that? Any experiences or? Not, not, uh, not the one that I could recall uh, with, with curses. I was very fortunate to grow up in a uh, family where people were uh, martyred for the cause of Christ um, and so sat in jail and so dragged wow. after really being released from jail. Uh, my great grandpa from one side of my mom's side, they sat in jail after that. He was tied to a horse, dragged around the village because he was a preacher. And so on wow. both sides, as far as far mm -hmm. as I could remember, four, I think four to five generations on my dad's side. Uh, uh, I think four generations ago, there was a, a leper in the family, in the village, and missionaries came, prayed. God supernaturally healed him of leprosy. He became a Christian. He led his family. He led a lot of villagers and became a pastor there. And then his children, grandchildren, and then my, my dad, was, I think his grandchild. Um, and so and, and a lot of them, thankfully, and my grandpa passed away at the age of 90. They lived very long. They, uh, my grandma, who still comes to our church, she has 16 children. And I mean, she's as strong as they come and so very powerful intercessors. So I was very fortunate to grow up and I've seen, I could testify on the other side. I've seen things that came so easy for me in some areas that wow. was not because I worked hard. And see, that's, that's what the curse or the blessing. See, the curse yeah. is like a chain. It starts with somebody's choice. It becomes a chain and then it becomes a cycle for generations mm. and same thing with the blessings you know somebody dedicates their life to god breaks those curses begins to radically i'm not talking about one time a month christian i'm talking about radically go to jail kind of a christian deny yourself kind of a christian live holy kind of a christian you know honor god you know as 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 from everyone that i see in my family on both sides you know, I see where marriages are, you know, between one man and one woman. Some of them have 16 children, 10 children, 7 children. Very devoted, uh, very devoted to Christ. And, you know, so I see the blessing of that. I've never seen my dad screaming at my mom. You know, I've never, uh, even the word divorce was never thrown around. You know, we lived poor, but they were always generous. They always tied. They always gave. And I've seen God always supply our needs. And so I was almost like, I felt like I got a head start in so many things in life. And so I believe in generational curses because I also have experienced the generational blessings. You know, when I go to the doctor, the first thing the doctors ask me, and they ask you as well, you know, 
do you have this running in your family? You're like, yeah. doctor, I'm not here for about my family. I'm, it's not a therapy. I'm coming here because check my heart or check my liver. They're like, does this run in your family? Does this run in your family? Doctors believe in generational curses, yep. okay? Yep. So, so it's right. time for us as Christians to embrace uh, and not, I'm not, we're not trying to convince you to believe in generational curses. We're just trying to convince you to open your eyes to what's happening in your generation. Yes. If your generation has these rotten fruits, that means there's something at the root. You know, there was a story of David uh, one time, guys, that God used to kind of open my eyes. When, when David was dying on his sick bed, he transfers the kingdom to Solomon. And he tells Solomon also the enemies that David acquired throughout right. his life that will become Solomon's enemies. And my he God. named them one by one. He says, this guy, like his name is Joab. He's like, this is what he did. He's a thorn in my flesh. And he says, Solomon, when I'm going to die, unfortunately, this guy is not going to die with me. He will become your enemy. He says, you're going to have to deal with him. And I love the fact that David strategically points and highlights these enemies. And the first thing that Solomon does, if you read Solomon's story, before God meets him in a dream, before God gives him the wealth, the wisdom, Solomon gets rid of his daddy's demons, if I could say like that. Yeah, he gets yeah, rid yeah. of one guy. He gives another guy a restriction. He says, you can't go there. If you do, I'm going to execute you. He tells another guy, you're out right away. I'm going to banish you. The moment he got rid of his daddy's demons, the Bible says, and then Solomon's kingdom was established. And only then God wow. came in the dream and spoke to Solomon. I really believe that you can't establish your life until you deal with the roots that started in previous generations. You don't have to go there always. You just have to ask the Holy Spirit to highlight those things. I remember when I bought a property, um, in our first year of marriage, we bought this rundown drug house property. And one side of it, the one that we were about to move in, had a very overgrown weeds. Like the weeds were to my waist. It, it was horrible lawn, you know. And, and it took me a year to pull the weeds out. You know, I mowed them the first week. And unfortunately, they grew back the week after. They grew back the week after. I had to buy these things that kill weeds. I had to go manually uproot them. Within about two years, the lawn did not look like the lawn I got from the previous owner. And I remember one time I was mowing the lawn and the Spirit of God gave me a revelation. He said, that's how many people when they get saved, they get the new owner, but they still have the old lawn. Hmm. And what they're doing is they're coming every week and they're cutting the grass, but they're not pulling the weeds planting the seeds and putting in the warfare prayers That's to it. remove the things. Some of them, they blame the previous owners. They blame their father and their mother. They think that breaking generational curses is blaming generations. See, breaking generational curses is not blaming. It's battling demons, patterns, and edicts, removing those things, pulling the roots, planting the seeds, I and then... It you can go in and start mowing the lawn, meaning repentance, confession, Bible reading, fasting, that thing will work. But as long as you got curses in the root system, mowing the lawn is not going to fix your problem. You're going to have to deal with the root of where those curses are at. My God, so good. this is so good. So good. This Pastor Mike, so you want to jump in here at all? Yeah, I wanna make you know, sure I want to say too. this because, you know, I used to be a former atheist 
And what's happening right now is science is catching up with scripture. Yep, and so I was good. looking at some new research that actually shows that less than, they believe this right now, that less than 5% of genetic mutations cause disease, but over 95% of our genes are influenced by our environment and our lifestyle factors. Come on. Wow. So we used to think of genes as destiny, but what they're saying is when you when you think a thought and that mm -hmm. thought becomes a word and it produces an environment, when you live in an environment full of fear, anxiety, you literally change the genetic expression of, of an individual and then they pass that to their children. So, you know, you can look this up, Dr. Caroline Leaf, she's a spirit-filled neuroscientist mm -hmm. studying the brain who's mm -hmm. showing the genetic component of lifestyle choices. So how you eat, how you spend your money, it's literally encoded into your genes. That's why you'll see musical families. It's like, oh yeah, everybody in our family's musical. Well, you know, matter of fact, there was this landmark study that was done on rats and this will blow your mind. And I don't know if you guys heard about this, but they literally, scientists made a very complex maze and they, they trained these rats by rewarding them with uh, food to work through this complex maze. And what they found was that the offspring of those rats without any training could make it through that complex maze. So wow. even the information of of the map of that of that maze was embedded in the genes of those rats offspring so that's why you see entrepreneurial families where you know one guy was an entrepreneur and then you just see it running through the ones and it's like you know i have daughters i play the guitar i kid you not my daughter she's i have a 14 year old daughter shout out bella if you're watching lay up late tonight it's the only thing she can stay up late to watch <laughs> is the demon slayers but she picked up a guitar and had an ability to play it that was like that surpassed basic training so here's why i say that though Science is catching up to scripture. You'd have to choose blessing or cursing. You get the choice because of the blood of Jesus. And you say, this may have run in my family, but I'm where it runs out, right? You get to say, Come I'm on. the one that's gonna start the new, the new generation, the new thing. But I wanna tell everybody watching, so that was the scientific perspective, but I wanna tell you what happens as a demon slayer, as a practitioner, I, many of you have not had the opportunity to attend a mass deliverance by any one of us four, but I wanna tell you what we do. Here's what I do. We go through uh, group confession and repentance, which in and of itself is powerful. Mm -hmm. You know, you're, you're hearing everybody else confess their sin. Then I go through a process after that, and I always tell our new deliverance workers, this is when you're gonna start to see mass manifestations of demons. When I have people repeat after me yes. a process of breaking curses, on. that is when you see mass numbers of people manifest. And the reason why I asked uh, Apostle Alexander to explain kingdom is because when you have royal edicts, you have to have somebody with royal blood that Come has on. been commissioned and empowered to break to break those. It's, you have the authority to break it. And what I always say is a curse is like the lease on a house. Come and on. when you do confession and repentance, then you say, now I break that curse. You're literally ripping that lease up in front of those demons. And you're saying, you no longer have legal right over this body, mm -hmm. you have to go. And that's when, when I tell people, everybody repeat after me, I break and release myself from- What you're gonna do tonight, of, you're gonna do that tonight, but keep going, yeah, sorry. And I'm, yeah, I'm telling you, when we do that, pe demons start manifest, and all of the unbelievers 
believers on the fringes, all the people who think we're weird and crazy, they watch hundreds of people manifest at the same time and yeah. something clicks in them. Everybody's smiling right now in this chat. It's like, I know exactly the moment yeah. he's talking about where the atheistic friend who got invited is like, this must be real. Science knows it. Come on, we know it in this chat. The question is, do you know it in the chat right now? Do you know it? So good. And I want to add to what you're saying is like, be the person you want your kids to be. If you have That's kids, it. come on, help me guys. I have kids. Come your on. kids start growing up. And my daughters, um, I have a six-year-old, a five-year-old, a two-year-old, and a, a 10-month-old, 11-month-old that just starting to walk, like just took her first steps a couple days ago. And I'll look at my kids and I'm like, oh they're like me like i look at them when they're stubborn or they're like passionate about something or they're like want to go try everything and do everything and get involved and i'm like that's me and so if you're sitting here and you're arrogant and you're bitter and you're angry is that what you want your kids to become or do you want them to live holy do you want them to live righteous because they're going to be a product of you as you said the information's in the dna it carries on to our children do you want to be now you might say it's too late it's not too late now's That's the right. day of deliverance now's the day of salvation salvation means deliverance now's the day for you to say it stops now now maybe i don't want to lie to you you know if you have a teenager you have an older grown kid you might be it might be too late to reverse what's in their life but you can still break it off of your life you can still break it off of your family and your generations to come so i know some of you you know what it's like because you say i wish i would have got a hold of this now i don't want to lie to you because you may have grown kids that are in their 30s and you say i wish i would have got a hold of this preaching this teaching 30 years ago because i could have saved so much heartache so much heartbreak that i saw my kid go through the same thing i went through Today is the day for you to break it off. Today is the day for you to be free. And I want to also say that every curse has a cause. Proverbs 26 yeah. says, yeah. a curse without a cause does not alight. So you have to realize, or does not land, you have to realize that people don't stumble into curses, okay? You're not just cursed randomly, but every curse has a cause, whether it's what we talked about earlier, cursed items, personal curses, word curses, generational curses. That's specifically what we wanted to touch on because maybe we'll go in the next month or something we'll go into like other types of curses but tonight we talked about uh generational curses these curses are there because someone did something now generational blessings and generational curses don't stop until someone terminates them that's the only yeah, way they stop they so will good. by default continue in the generational line until someone stops them now, if you have a generational blessing and all of a sudden there's uh, your son or your daughter, they get involved in something or they get they ruin the blessing, that blessing stops there. They stop there. You'll see families that are blessed and blessed. Yeah. And all of a sudden it's like, where did the blessing go? Like that family used yeah. to be so blessed. Well, what happened was someone terminated the blessing with a curse. The blessing was replaced with a curse based on their actions. So Deuteronomy 28 says, if you do not hearken to the voice of the Lord and observe his commandments, these curses shall come upon thee. So disobedience to the word of God, to the will of God, to the plan of God, to the destiny of God causes curses to come upon these. So God says this also about blessings. If you live obedient to God, then the blessing will come. So guys, we've been live an hour and a half. If you guys want to add any closing remarks or anything you guys want to throw in here, I know we have 50, by the way, we have 5,800 people. I just checked total on all platforms. This is incredible, guys. This is our biggest podcast we've ever had. I'm going to have, if you guys want to give closing remarks and then I'll have Pastor Mike, I want to have you lead us in and we'll, I'm going to go with it as well. I'll mute my mic and go with it, but I want you to lead us in some of the renouncing, the breaking of the curse. Like you said, you lead people in and then we're going to break these curses. We're going to renounce them. We're going to break them. We're going to pray that the curse is broken and you're going to be free tonight in Jesus name. 
Um, before we do that, I want to give you guys a chance to any closing remarks on curses, anything you wanted to cover that we didn't maybe cover when it comes to like generational curses, feel free. Let me say this, I, at least in my closing remark, and we're probably going to have to revisit this the, yeah. next, the next time that we probably come together and really, really flesh this thing out. But, you know, for the heresy hunters that are still listening right now, for the heresy <laughs> Still listening right now, who are probably dismissing everything that we're saying because they're saying Christ became the curse. Okay, let me let me let me address Go there, this. Please. please. Let me address this. Okay, let's let's address Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. Christ has redeemed them from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangs on the tree. It is presupposed that for by many theologians th that the reason why generation curses don't exist is because they understand that verse that the word to become it's the greek word ginomai which means to be made to be finished accomplished breaking or exchange which so, so they understand the word he became or the word became to means to annihilate okay to annihilate all right we have a problem with that because if the word became in the greek means to annihilate which means it no longer exists because the verse says Christ became yeah. the curse for us. We have a problem because in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it also says he became sin. So, and it's the same Greek word, ginomai. So if, he, if the word became means no longer exists, then why do you and I still sin? Why do you and I still sin if Christ became sin that we <laughs> might be made the righteousness of God? Look That's at right. this says we might be made the righteousness of God so if the word became ginomai means to annihilate which means it no longer exists then why would the apostle John says he if you confess your sin he I thought we're not supposed to have any sin because the same Christ who became the curse the Bible also says in 2nd Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21 he became sin it's the same Greek word so if became means no longer exists with the curse, then the same word means we should no longer sin because it be, it, he became sin. But we do sin because the cross doesn't break the presence of sin. It only breaks the power of sin. Mm. Cross only breaks the power of the curse, not mm. the presence of curses. Mm. Just like the cross does it uh, breaks the power of sin, not the power of sin. Now there mm. is gonna come a time, Vlad just blessed me today with the book of Revelation where the presence of sin will be completely annihilated. But I know one verse where Acts says when he comes and we shall, the consummation of all things, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, then the presence of sin will also be eradicated. So I just kind of wanted to kind of throw that out there that we've been taught wrong. You are being misguided, misunderstood, and our Bible schools have taught us wrong concerning generational curses because if the word became means to no longer exist, then we should no longer be sinning because he also became sin. And First John says, watch this, and I'll end with this. It says, if we sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin. Salvation and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, curses. The unrighteousness part is the curses. The forgiving us part is the salvation. Salvation removes the power of the sin, not the presence of sin. But the time will come when 
the presence of sin and the presence of generational curses shall be completely consumed in him. And this is why the book of Revelation says for the second time, it is finished. He actually declares it again, which means it is finished, which means and now we know the presence of, it, of, of curse and sin is gone and the devil as well. All of it is completely gone. But we'll flesh that out the next time that we come together. So good. That's so good, uh, Apostle. Thank you for explaining that. And everyone, you should pre-order Apostle's book on generational curses. Uh, I already pre-ordered mine. Uh, very good book. His book on uh, Secrets of Deliverance, phenomenal, amazing. Um, this, I, uh, there's a story in the New Testament that I like to use as an analogy uh, when, it, when I speak to curses. It's the story of Lazarus. When he, was, when he came out of the grave, he was already resurrected but he was restricted because of the rags that he wore. These rags belonged to his death. You know, they belong, they were death rags. They were funeral rags, meaning they were not part of his normal wardrobe. They belonged to the life he was coming from, life that Jesus delivered him from, saved him from, yet he still carried them into his present. And then Jesus said to the around, people around Lazarus, loose him go and lose him and I, I believe that when you become a christian you come uh practically you know theologically you you move from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light but it does not mean that all the darkness from the inside is gone and right. it does not mean that you're still not carrying the curses of divorce the curses of loneliness barrenness it does not mean that you care you're not carrying these rags that are restricting your movement maybe the curses of premature death, maybe the curses of mental, uh, some kind of a attack on your mind, fear, phobias, maybe these uh, curses of financial lack and divorce. And these things maybe are restricting you and perhaps you have a hard time walking with God. You're alive, you're going to heaven. And if people don't embrace the ministry of deliverance, you will live your whole life restricted suffering not from the sufferings that we are encouraged to endure as christians you know the suffering of persecution but the suffering of demonization the sufferings of curses these are not to be endured these are to be overcome these are things that jesus says loose him and let him go yeah. and so today i believe in just few moments pastor mike is going to lead you in that prayer i want you to get ready prepare your heart because god is going to use this broadcast this those of you who will be re-watching he will use the next few minutes to loose you from that thing to liberate you from that to remove the rags from your spiritual life so you can run after god unrestricted you know we live in a cancel culture everybody's canceling everybody if we're gonna cancel anything let's cancel curses come on i feel that i feel that so good and guys as we pray with uh, pastor mike's gonna lead us Understand that it's not a complicated, like we have to do 90 things. We break these with our words. Our words are how, yes. I always say this, our words are how we wield the sword of the spirit. So the way Jesus fought the devil, it's like he didn't arm wrestle him. He didn't pull out a shotgun. He didn't pull out a sword. He used words to wield the sword of the spirit and the sword of the spirit broke the power of the devil. And that's how he overcame the, the battle he had with Satan, the temptation. So you have to realize these are words that are supernaturally charged that break. The Bible says that we have power of life and death in the tongue. So there's Come supernatural on. power when we speak these words. It's not just, oh, I'm just repeating a thing. No, there's 
decrees being broken. There's leases, That's contracts it. being broken. Like we're breaking the lease with Satan tonight um, in Jesus name. So Pastor Mike, go for it. Lead us through this, this prayer and then we're gonna break these things off you guys. Yeah, come on. This is a defining moment in so many of your lives. People all the time say, where is self-deliverance in scripture? I wanna read you Isaiah chapter 52, verse two. It says, shake off your dust, rise up, my sit God. in throne Jerusalem, My free God. yourself from the chains on your neck. And so right now, if you're in your living room, in your kitchen, in your car, this, this, free yourself from the chains around your neck. Use the authority that you've been given. The blood of Jesus declares that you are his righteousness now. You are his sons and his daughters. And it's time to, to step into the next season of your life. This is a defining moment right now. So here's what I want you to do. We're just going to begin to pray. And I'm going to have you repeat after me. But before we do that, I believe the Holy Spirit in you and through you is going to bring things to your mind that you need to confess, that you need to speak out loud. And listen, don't be embarrassed. Lower your pride. Remember, pride is a barrier in this moment right now. And so you might be saying, but my wife's going to listen. You listen. She's going to hear her husband getting free right now. Even if you've got to confess pornography, lust, perversion, sin, whatever it is, man, I feel the power of God right now. You need to begin to confess these things. The Holy Spirit's going to bring it to your mind. So I'm just going to begin to pray through this portion of it briefly, and then we're going to go through the, the part where you repeat after me. So just borrow my words in this moment. Let the Holy Spirit speak through you. So if you have to, uh, Heavenly Father, I confess uh, sin in my life. I confess lust and perversion. I confess anger and malice and greed and, and jealousy. I confess, Father, forgive me. Come on, just begin to say it out loud wherever you're at right now. You just need to begin to confess it with your mouth right now. Father, we confess just cheating. We we confess uh, cheating in our finances. We have not been faithful, God. We, we have not been faithful in our finances and we confess it. Forgive us, Father. Forgive us, Father. We go first right now in this moment. Come on, the Holy Spirit's just leading you. There's things here. Some of you are even beginning to forgive those. The Holy Spirit's bringing to your remembrance names, people that you know that you've been holding unforgiveness. So right now, you need to say their name out loud. Tim, Jeff, Joe, I don't know the name. Say it. Say the name right now. I forgive them. I release them for what they did to me, uh, for molestation, for rape. Come on, say it out loud. This, this is, you got to start. You have to forgive them right now in this moment. Father, forgive us for holding that unforgiveness in our heart. You are faithful. You are just to forgive us. We confess it now. Wow. The Lord's already doing so much, but okay, now here's the next part. And remember, Isaiah said, you have to use your words. You have to speak boldly in this moment. I'm going to go slow so that you can say this out loud. I want you to be bold and I want you to say this with confidence. Say this with me now all around the world, whether you think it applies to you or not, we're just gonna go through these, these different curses. And as you say it, it'll be broken. So say this now, I break all generational curses of pride. Say it out loud. Come on, some of you are experiencing resistance. You have to say it. I break all generational curses of pride, lust, perversion. Come on, just say it. Rebellion. I break all curses of witchcraft. I break all generational curses of idolatry. 
And I feel this breaking. Come on, say it out loud. I break all generational curses of poverty. Say this with me now. I break and release myself from all curses of rejection. I break and release myself from all curses of fear. I break the curse of confusion. Somebody needs to say this one. I break the curse of addiction. I break and release myself from all curses of death and premature death. Some of you are starting to manifest right now because demons are coming out associated with these curses, but just go a little bit further with me right now. Say this right now. Come on, get these words out. I break and release myself from all curses of destruction in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Now, right now, I command all generational spirits that came into the lives of those that broke these curses through conception, in the womb, in the birth canal, even through the umbilical cord to come out in the name of Jesus. I break all spoken word curses over them now. All negative words that they have pronounced over themselves, I break it in the name of Jesus. And I thank you, Father, for freedom now, now in the name of Jesus. Okay, I want to do one more, just one more. Everybody say this. I know there's so many manifesting in the chat right now. Come on, there's freedom happening. We're doing this quickly, but I want you to do this one last one. Say these words with me. I break all spoken word curses and all negative words that I have spoken over my life in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you for freedom right now as curses are being broken around the world under the sound of my voice in Jesus' name. Wow. Come on, do you want, want to go a little bit deeper? Can we go a little bit further, Isaiah? Because there's so much happening. I, now listen, as you break these curses, you're using your words, you're speaking it out. This, this, next, this next portion that we're going to do, I just want you, some of you are even struggling. I know this saying, I can't say it, I can't say it. You've got to use your words to say this because there's freedom connected. So say this with me now. I command all ancestral spirits of Freemasonry, Freemasonry. idolatry, Idolatry. witchcraft, Witchcraft. false religion, religion. polygamy, Polygamy. lust, Lust. and perversion perversion. to come out in Jesus' name. I break your curse in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. name. Wow. Come on. Even sickness too. I believe right now God is healing people that have chronic sickness, the curse of yes. cancer. We come against you now in Jesus' name. We just command every spirit yes. so that has good. been assigned to your bloodline, every spirit that has been assigned to your family, we break your power. We command you to leave, go into the abyss, and never return in Jesus' name. Every spirit that is attached right now to your bloodline that's been assigned to your family tree, We come against you now in Jesus' name, and we say, get up and out. Go in Jesus' name. I know a lot of you are saying you're gagging, you're coughing. Open your mouth. Let it come out of your mouth. 
Let it come out of your mouth. It's leaving yes. you now in Jesus' name. Satan, your power is broken. Get off our bloodline now. Get off our families now. Some of you need to, as Pastor Mike said, you need to get bold. You need to let these demons know, get off my family. Go. You have no power over me. You're evicted and you will not dwell in my family line any longer. So it's time for you to leave. You're wasting your time, Satan. It's time for you to leave in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, leave right now. Leave right now. You have no power. Get out of them now. Get out of them now, Satan. Go in Jesus' name. All sickness, leave in Jesus' name. I can't stop coughing. That's because demons are coming out of you, brother. Go in Jesus' name. You're evicted now. You've been served an eviction notice. And in Jesus' mighty name, it's time for you to leave now. All disease, all disease is leaving in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for bringing deliverance and healing right now. And then also I want to say, I know you touched on this, Pastor Mike, every spell of witchcraft. Those of you that are coming out of cults, coming out of the occult, those of you that have been in witchcraft, you've been in, a lot of you that are on our channel have come out of that. You don't know where else to go because no one else is helping you get free. And you're here tonight. Right now, every spell, every incantation, every hex, every voodoo, right now, every voodoo doll, we break the power of witchcraft in Jesus' name. The blood of Jesus cancels the power of witchcraft. It cancels the spells. It cancels the assignments now. So I don't care what contract you made, it's null and void. All of you that said, I made a contract with a demon or principality or the Satan, it's null and void in Jesus' name. It has no power any longer. You are a son and a daughter of almighty God. And we say it is broken now. Mind control. I hear the Lord saying it's being broken yeah. in Jesus name. Every mind control spirit trying to bring you back to that lifestyle is broken in Jesus name. Every love spell is being broken now. That's bringing you back to that old relationship, that old guy, that old girl. Every love spell is being broken in Jesus mighty name. You're being free tonight in Jesus name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If there's anything else you guys want to add before we end, we uh, close it off and do our closing remarks, um, I feel like the Lord is just releasing lots of freedom tonight. A lot of people on the replay are being free. Those of you listening on the podcast are being free. We have 5,900 right now, so there's just mass deliverance happening, mass freedom happening. Just let the Lord complete the work um, tonight in Jesus' name. I want to... I want, I want to do one last thing. Yeah, I, yeah go for I, it. I believe that there's many of you that have familiar spirits, Come on. familiar spirits that are connected. Mm-hmm. I know apostles confirming that. I know some of us are seeing that there's familiar spirits that are connected. There's demons that they try mm-hmm. to convince you that they are spirit guides and Come they're on. trying, you know, and many of you are struggling with that. Many of you have done things. So you need to break the curse of the familiar spirit mm-hmm. for going to psychic mediums. You need to confess it right now. There's so many of you that have, or people even in your bloodline, even in your generations have sought information through a source that was demonic in nature. So right now I take authority over all familiar spirits and and demons posing mm-hmm. as spirit guides and i command mm-hmm. you to come up and out yes. in the name of jesus we go. your curse is broken your curse is broken all familiar spirits connected to the bloodline through the generations i evict you now in the name of jesus you must come out now now up and out of every single one of them. This is not your family. This is not your bloodline. They have been bought by the blood of Jesus and you must come out now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. God is freeing many of you tonight. I've seen like the chat's going crazy right now. The chat's connected to all of our accounts and I'm seeing all of our accounts together chat. Mm -hmm. And there's just hundreds. 
if not thousands of people writing that they're coughing, they're choking, they're getting free, something come out of their mouth, they're vomiting up, all the signs of demons leaving you guys. They cool. oftentimes, not always, but often come out of the mouth. So if you're feeling the loud yawns, the burpings, the coughing, the wanting to vomit, let them come out of you. Just open your mouth, let wow. them come out. We always say the mouth is the front door to the soul. So let them come out your front door. They're thieves, they've come to rob you. And tonight they're being evicted in Jesus name. Guys, I want to, I know we've been on here for two hours. I want to honor you guys as well. I want to challenge everyone in the chat listening. I have my link to my website on screen for you to give. As we always say every week, don't dine and dash. I want to sow into these guys as well. I know some of you are giving to their individual ministries, but I'm also going to sow into them. Um, I'm going to be, after I get them off, I'll be doing like reading all donations, hanging out with you guys at the very end. But I want you guys to let them know where can they find you. We'll go Apostle uh, Alexander Pagani, Pastor Mike, Pastor Vlad, and then just maybe some stuff you guys are doing, where your church is at, any events you have coming up, any e-courses or whatever you want to plug. Um, there's a, a, a large amount of people listening. So let's um, give you guys, I want to give you guys a chance to make sure that everyone can connect with your ministry as well. Well, awesome. You guys can find me, well, obviously on every social media platform, Alexander Pagani Ministries. I'll be putting the link in some of my friends, uh, their chat room, so that way you guys that aren't really familiar with us can kind of get to know us and subscribe to us on YouTube. But very easy to find us. Um, we're, we're in the Bronx. Uh, we're every Sunday and Wednesday, and then every last Sunday of every month, we do mass deliverance. So God is doing some pretty, pretty amazing things. So not not... Uh, not hard to find. Just kind of follow the trail. Wherever you see Isaiah, you'll kind of see me somewhere in there. And um, I look forward to connecting uh, with many of you. But I would want to say this as a final, at least, encouragement or instruction. For many of you, this topic of generational curses might be a little bit overwhelming and new. And obviously, we didn't get a chance to like really go deep and kind of go into stuff. But today was a good start. I want to encourage you that there are good books out there. You could go yeah. look up books by Derek Prince and a couple of others on the topic of generational curses. As a matter of fact, Derek Prince has a lot of good videos on YouTube concerning generational curses. So what I want you to do is don't limit yourself to only learning about the topic within this broadcast. This is a good launching pad, but search online. Derek Prince is good. We have our videos also on social media about generational curses, one of my favorite topics. Talk about it a lot. Follow us and buy books on it. That way you can kind of familiarize Deeper into the topic, and you're going to find that the Holy Spirit is not just with this broadcast, but within the next couple of weeks, as you read and familiarize yourself with the topic, you're going to be getting consistently set free and delivered from the curses that plague you, your family, and your bloodline. So look forward to seeing you guys. Look up the information, um, and, and Derek Prince is probably a good place to start when it comes to the topic of generational curses. Yeah, I was just going to say thanks so much for putting this together. I mean, I'm going through these comments right now, seeing how many people are, are actively getting deliverance. And it's just, mm -hmm. it's so beautiful to see. And I can't wait to, for them to experience tomorrow. You know, there's yes. that feeling that people tell us, like, I feel so light. I feel like I lost. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. If you like what you heard, go to www.isaiahsaldivar.com for more content and please follow Follow me on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Isaiah Saldivar. See you next week.